You're listening to the Northside Christian Church Podcast. Find out more about Northside by visiting us online at northsideweb.org. Happy Labor Day weekend, everyone. I am so thankful that you've chosen to worship with us today, and I'm glad you're here because we're going to talk about something that is so important. It affects everything we say and do. And that's not an exaggeration, that's literal. It affects everything we say and do. It affects how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about others. It affects how we interact with the people around us. But this is something that gets so overlooked. It gets brushed off to the side as not a big deal. And I actually wrote this message and shared it with the middle schoolers at camp this summer. And I thought, you know what? This isn't just a message for middle schoolers. This is a message for everyone, regardless of how old or young we might be. And what I'm referring to, that thing that affects everything we say and do, is the battle for our mind. The battle for our mind. The human brain, also called the mind, is one of the most important organs in our body. It helps us think and reason. It helps us remember and learn new things. But before we discuss what the Bible has to say about this subject, listen to some interesting facts that scientists have figured out about our brains. And these come from exploringyourmind.com. I want to share a couple of them with you. First of all, the human brain weighs on average about three pounds. So it's not very big. It's not very big. And I'd heard that fact before it's about three pounds the blood vessels that are present in the brain are almost 100,000 miles in length now that is a lot of blood vessels in that little three pound organ if the brain were a hard drive it would have the capacity to store up to four terabytes of information that's pretty crazy four terabytes is a lot I don't know how they figure that out they're much smarter than me but that's what they say four terabytes of info can be stored in our brains Every person has around 70,000 thoughts every single day, 70,000, and many of those are often repeated. One of the repeated thoughts that I have, and maybe some other guys are with me on this, is, what did my wife tell me that I forgot to do already, right? That's the thought that I have all the time. What did my wife tell me that I forgot to do? Another one, your brain can survive five or six minutes without oxygen, and then it dies. I was impressed that it actually makes it that long. Your mind can only concentrate on something specific for about 90 minutes and then it loses attention and focus. And some of you might be thinking, I can't make it 90 minutes. That's why it's important to have mental breaks and that's one reason why we don't preach longer than about 30-35 minutes here because you would forget everything else. And lastly, this is what I want us to focus on today. Every thought that you have is literally a physical path that is formed within the brain. The more you have a certain thought, the deeper the imprint this path will make and the easier it will be for that thought to reappear in the future. Now that is a fact proven by science. However, regardless of this truth, so many people believe the opposite. Pastor and author John Ortberg, he wrote this in his book, The Me I Want to Be. He said, it is amazing how often people think that they are a victim of whatever thoughts happen to be running through their heads. It is as if they are passive spectators watching thoughts run across the screen with no control over what's on it. But there is a fundamental battle in the spiritual life being waged by the evil one over the nature of the thoughts that run through your mind. 
The ultimate freedom that you have that no one can take away, even in a concentration camp, is the freedom to decide what your mind will dwell on. Now, that's a heavy quote, and I want us to unpack that for just a moment. What John is saying is that you and I get to choose what we think about. Nobody makes you think certain things. Your boss can't make you think about your attitude before you respond to him or her. Your siblings or your coworkers can't make you think about the words you say before you say them. Your teachers can't force you to think about your homework before you turn it in. And no, the devil cannot make you think about that sin before you commit it. Only you decide what your mind will dwell on. Like right now, as I'm kind of scanning throughout the room, I see just a few blank stares. I don't know what you're thinking. Maybe you're thinking, and I wish I wasn't here this morning. I should have slept in. Or maybe you're thinking about the Indians game that starts at 1 o'clock. I don't know what you're thinking, but I hope you start to pay attention about what I'm preaching today because it is vitally important for your life, and here's why. The big truth that I want you to understand today is this. What you think about determines what you become. In fact, I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them that. What you think about determines what you become. That was bad participation. Look at your other neighbor and tell them. Come on now. Your thoughts really do matter in life. What you choose to dwell on has serious and lasting consequences. And this isn't something that scientists just figured out within the last 10 years. No, this is something that the wisest man on earth spoke of thousands of years ago. King Solomon said these words in Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. What you think about determines what you become. What you allow to enter your brain will determine who wins this battle for our mind. That's why it's so important to monitor what we take in. Now someone tell me, just shout it out. How does stuff enter into here? How does stuff enter in our, we don't just come up with it on our own. How does stuff enter our brains? Three areas, okay, sight what we, and what we listen to. So basically, anything that we read, anything that we listen to, anything that we watch, that is what enters into our brain. That's how stuff comes here. Now, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the content on TV and in movies and in songs and on the World Wide Web is filled with filth. It's filled with filth. A lot of it was bad when I was a teenager, And man, it has gotten tremendously worse. More and more garbage is being allowed, not just allowed, but it's being celebrated on the screen. Bree and I will try to watch, uh, find a show and watch it on Netflix after the kids go to bed just to kind of unwind from the day so we don't really have to think about anything, just just to chill before we go to bed. So we've, for the last couple of weeks, We've been trying to find a show on Netflix. We found one that we watched and it was okay and we ran out of that one so we're looking for another one. And I'm not exaggerating when I tell you we have probably started six different shows and within the first 20 minutes of the first episode we have to turn it off because it is terrible. 
It is terrible what it is filled with. And even when we find a show that we both like, that we both agree on, that we both think, okay, this isn't too bad, I have to keep the remote in my hand to fast forward over scenes that absolutely have no reason being in that episode. Am I alone in this or does anybody else have problems trying to find a family-friendly show to watch with your spouse or with your kids? Anybody can relate to that? All right, so you know what I'm talking about. This is not just a problem on Netflix. It's a problem with every media outlet that we choose to take in. Now, if we use the Bible as our reference, we could figure out what media is acceptable and what is not acceptable to consume. And I'm not here this morning to debate what is right or wrong because I believe the Bible speaks for itself. But what I want to help you understand is that media, which means movies, TV, music, magazines, video games, websites, Media absolutely does influence us. What we allow our brains to absorb tips the scale for the battle of who wins our mind. Now some people, many people in fact, insist that media has no influence on them. Many people just roll their eyes when they hear this subject brought up, when they hear Christians talk about the negative influences surrounding us. They think, well not me. This stuff doesn't bother me. I can watch and, and listen to whatever I want to, and it's not going to have a negative effect. But what they fail to understand is that's the entire purpose of it. Multiplied billions of dollars are spent each year on advertising media, producing media, designing websites and apps, on paying actors and singers and artists for their services, all for a singular purpose. You know what that is? To influence you. That is their whole purpose. It is a huge game of influence, and I would argue that it is a game of mind control. The world wants you to allow it to control your mind. But God is over here saying, hey, don't forget about me. I loved you first. I created you. I sent my son so that you and I could have a relationship forever. Don't forget about me. I want you to love me with all of your heart with all of your soul, and you know what? I want you to love me with all of your mind. Our entire life is a battle between evil or the world and God over who will win this battle for our mind. Paul talks about this struggle in Romans chapter 7. Let's look at that, verses 21 through 24. Here's what he says. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right here with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Paul isn't alone, is he? You know, if we were honest, I believe we could all say these very same words. Satan is waging a war against the law of my mind, and when I give in to him, I am controlled by this sin that is at work within me. The battle of the mind is so important because what we think about determines what we become. And I'll tell you right now that it's a no-brainer, pun intended, that God should be the one who wins this battle. 
So what I want to do this morning is just share with you three ways that you and I can allow God to win this battle for our mind. Three ways that we can help God win this battle and then wrap up with two truths. So if you're taking notes, jot this down in your outline. The first way that we can allow God to win this battle is that we have to release your mind to God. Release your mind to him. Paul says this to the Christians in Corinth. He says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? Never. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And then four chapters later, he says this. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. If you're following along in your Bibles, I want you just to underline verse 24. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. The more and more I thought about this, the more I realized we in America, we have a big, big problem. All I see and hear are people fighting for their First Amendment right. They're screaming at the top of their lungs, I can say whatever I want to say and you can't tell me I can't. I can do whatever I want to do. It's my right. It's my prerogative. Yes, as an American citizen, you can say whatever you want. You can think whatever you want to do. But let me caution you. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you can rip on the president now or the president in the past doesn't mean you should. Just because uh, you can post that scathing message on social media to the coworker that offended you doesn't mean you should. Just because you can pick up your smartphone and search any website you want to doesn't mean you should. We have a problem with self-control. The Christians in Corinth struggle with this as well. Specifically, Paul is addressing their sexual uh, temptations, the sexual sin that they were battling, which is why he talks about you can't unite the body of Christ with prostitutes. That shouldn't happen. However, his application is not limited to sexual sin. This reasoning applies in all circumstances, especially media. Now, people typically divide into one of four camps when it comes to this. One camp is I don't watch or experience any of it. I'm oblivious. I'm ignorant. I live in a bubble, and I don't know what's going on around me. A second camp, I watch and experience all of it because I think it's not going to affect me, and I believe that I'm immune. A third one, understand the dangers, but you know what? I choose to watch and experience it anyway. That means that I'm rebellious. And fourth, I set standards for enjoying media based on what pleases God, and I do not violate those standards. That means I'm obedient. Now, I like audience participation. I just want to read through these one more time. And as I read through them, if you would, be honest, no judgment zone here, okay? I want you just to raise your hand for what camp you are in right now at this moment. All right, raise your hand if you fall into this camp. I don't watch and experience any of it. I am ignorant. I'm oblivious to what's going on around me. I kind of live in a bubble. Anybody in that camp? A couple. All right. The next one. I watch and experience all of it because I think, you know what, I'm strong enough in my faith. It's not going to bother me 
I am immune. Anybody? Mm, we got some people that are lying today because that's where I was. That's where I was for a long time. Number three, I understand the dangers, but you know what? I choose to watch it anyway. A few more. And then lastly, I set standards for enjoying media based on what pleases God, and I do not violate those standards. I'm obedient. Anybody in that camp? Some of you didn't vote. Some of you didn't vote. That's okay. I'm not going to call you out. But I really want you to think about where you are. Think about where you are. Society will tell you, do what you want to do. Do whatever makes you happy. Watch and experience whatever you want to because it's your life, it's your body, it's your mind, it's your world. It's this whole phrase that I hear all the time. It's the you do you boo mentality. Anybody heard that? It said a lot today. You do you boo. Yeah, speak your truth. Live your life. Do whatever you want to do. You do you boo. That's a very easy trap for Christians to fall into as well. But regardless of what society or our friends tell us, we should release our minds to God. We must realize and measure ourselves according to Jesus' standards. What we do will set us apart. It will make us different. And I want to be fully transparent with you. I'm not perfect at this. I struggle with this as well. Just ask my wife. I struggle with some of this, what I listen to and what I watch. So writing this message was hard. Sharing it with you today is even harder because I'm preaching to the choir. I am not perfect when it comes to this. This is an area I believe everybody can improve on. So here's the deal. I'm not going to tell you that Internet and music and movies and TV shows are the root of all evil and should be avoided at all costs. I don't think that. I think that would be ridiculous. I don't think that's possible. This issue isn't just that simple. Though God grants us the freedom to choose what we view, read, watch, and think about, we must handle that freedom responsibly. And he gave us a few guidelines to follow when it comes to this if we want to release our minds in. So I want to share with you two guidelines to follow. And they come right out of Scripture. Everything is permissible, but does it master you? Does it master you? Does it control you? That's what that word means. Does it control you? God loves it when we have fun, but when we're ruled by the quest for the next thrill, the next high, the next laugh, even fun can become bad. Are you making wise decisions when it comes to media? Are you just accepting and enjoying anything and everything that comes your way? Are you watching, reading, or listening to something just because it's the most popular thing right now and you don't want to be irrelevant? Or you cannot shut it off because you don't want to be left out. And if that's you, then you are being controlled by it. A second guideline, everything is permissible, but does it glorify God? Now this is a hard one to answer. You see, God doesn't tell us which songs to like, which movies to watch, or for that matter, he doesn't tell us which ones to avoid. But his principles and his standards are clear in Scripture, and he leaves it up to us to choose. So does what you watch, listen to, say, do, and think glorify God? Does it meet his standards? As followers of Jesus, we must recognize that we cannot make choices simply to please ourselves. We should make decisions that please God. That's what it means to release our minds to him. We're releasing it over. Secondly, if you want God to win this battle for our minds, 
I would challenge you to renew your mind for God. Renew it. First is release, then you must renew it. Paul says this to the Romans, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to everybody else around you. But be transformed by the what? By the what? Renewing of your mind. Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, you and I need new brains that are in sync with God. When Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, he's essentially saying, you know what? You have to lose your mind for God, not for self, not for others, not for media or any godless notions. Now, I've lost my mind a few times in anger. Okay, I've gotten upset and I've lost my mind. That's not what I'm talking about here. This is different. Losing is renewing. Loss is gain. It is giving up control. It is handing the reins over to someone else so that we are not in charge. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 25, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Losing is renewing. And this may be a little bit weird to think about, but as Christians, God owns us. He owns us. Our bodies and our minds and everything, everything about us belongs to him. In fact, that's what we say when we make a profession of faith. We say that all the time. Lord, I accept you today. I want you to be my Lord and my master. When we say, Jesus, you are our Lord and our master, it means he owns us. We are his. However, many of us don't see it that way. We think that our bodies and our minds belong to us. We think that we can do what we want to with them and expose them to just about anything, and it's not going to hurt. Obviously, we're not puppets on a string. God cannot make us do anything that we do not want to or choose to do. That's called free will. It is the freedom to choose. However, he has set rules and guidelines in place that he wants us to follow. So please hear me on this. If we want God to win the battle for our mind, then what we allow to enter here must be sacrificed to God. God must be allowed veto power over any media choices that we make. He owns the right to deny or allow us to experience or not experience Every movie, every video, every song, game, magazine, website, TV, you name it. God owns that right if we have placed our faith in him. And if you think something is questionable, nine times out of ten, you shouldn't watch it. You shouldn't listen. You should just go do something else. If you think, ah, I don't know if I should be watching this. If you still want to talk to somebody about it, then ask a trusted Christian friend. Or you can bring it up in your small group for discussion. Talk about these things. It's okay to bounce ideas off of each other. That's part of iron sharpening iron. We want to rely on and talk to other Christian friends. And we should also pray every day. Pray that God would renew our minds is what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. Now the last way that you can ensure God gets the victory in this fight is to protect your mind in God. First of all, we need to release then we need to renew, and lastly, we need to protect our minds in God. Philippians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Read this out loud. What do you all think about that verse? 
Kind of tough, isn't it? Now, let's, I know it's early in the day, but let's just assume that all of us in here have had maybe 10 or maybe at most 15,000 thoughts already out of our 70,000 thoughts for the day. Can we say that every one of those 10,000 thoughts has been true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent or praiseworthy? Anybody say that? No, you, you might have a, a bad thought about me right now because I'm stepping on your toes. I don't know, maybe, maybe you are, maybe you are. This is a great list to compare the things that we think about to the things that enter our mind. It's that old reality, that old truth, garbage in, garbage out. I have heard that since I was a little kid. My dad has preached that for years and years. Garbage in, garbage out, and that will not change. Protect your mind in God by letting pure things enter it. In addition to this verse, here's another list that I came across years ago that might help you when it comes to discerning the media that we take in. It's an acrostic, M-E-D-I-A, media. The M stands for message and means. What is the message? Is it justice? Is it love? Is it violence? Is it depression? Is it humor? What's the means? How is this message conveyed? Does the good guy win only after breaking the rules? E is effect. What is the effect on me? Am I moved to compassion after watching this? Am I left depressed with no hope? Am I filled with energy or am I lusting for more? D is damage. Will I suffer any damage? Will I have unhealthy fantasies? Will it influence me to pessimism, to sin, to anger? Will it lead me to make a poor decision? I, and this is a big one. Instead, what could I be doing instead of this? Could I be doing any constructive, productive, unselfish things instead of serving myself? Could I spend more quality time with Jesus, with my spouse, with my kids right now? Could I complete a work assignment or could I be practicing a sport for school instead of doing this? And then A is appeal. What really does this song or website or movie, what does it appeal to in me? Does it build my faith or does it tear down my self-esteem? Does it fuel my passion for Christ or does it feed my desire for vengeance? Does it motivate me to trust or does it encourage me to lust? Now here's the scariest question of all, and like I told you, I cannot answer this 100% all the time, so I'm working on it myself. But something we have to consider, every day we should ask this question. Would Jesus be entertained by what is entertaining me? Would Jesus be entertained by what is entertaining me? And if we can't answer yes, then that gives us all the more reason to actually apply what we're talking about today, to defend our mind. Music and media will affect us whether we admit it or not. So those are the three ways that we can choose God over this world and the battle for our minds. Now let me quickly share with you two important truths. As we've already mentioned, culture for a long, long time, as long as I've been alive and even longer, culture has dictated what is acceptable. The music we listen to, the movies and the shows we watch, the websites we browse, the clothes we wear, the things we purchase, the pictures that we post on social media. 
I could go on and on. Culture influences so many of our decisions because we want to impress our friends and our neighbors, because we want to keep up with the Joneses, because we want to remain relevant. And it's because of that fact that we must understand this truth. When we allow God, when we allow culture, sorry, to dictate our decisions, we drift further away from God. When we allow culture or this world to dictate our decisions, we drift further and further away from God. And this is not the path that followers of Jesus should be on. Our adult small group recently finished a study by Craig Rochelle called Soul Detox. And the point of this study is to get Christians to recognize that there are many toxic things in our lives that need to be removed, that have the potential to harm or even kill our relationships with others and with God. And he shines a light on the dark corners of our spiritual lives that we often ignore, that we kind of sweep under the rug, that we don't want to think about, and he forces us to attack it with Scripture. The last chapter discusses the influence that culture has on the media choices we make, and I love this quote by Craig. He says, Each image and message we ingest may be a germ that will make us gravely ill, especially when combined with the many other sensory germs we're taking in. If we're serious about our spiritual house cleaning, then there must be no exceptions. We must take the images, language, and stories we allow into our minds and hearts very seriously. We must disinfect our hearts with the germ-killing power of the truth. In other words, when we allow culture to dictate our decisions, we drift away from God. Craig goes on to tell a story about a mom and a son. The mom uh, and the son. The son who we're going to call Jack. He's 11 years old and he is already a Christian. He has accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. And a bunch of Jack's friends rented a popular movie that was just released on DVD and it had a PG-13 rating. Everybody was all excited about this movie coming out, especially Jack, because he hadn't seen it. So when he gets home from school, he begs his mom, Mom, can I go over to my buddy's house and watch this movie? He wants to fit in. He wants to be accepted. Now, the mom asks her typical mom questions. Honey, is it a good movie? Is it one that won't hurt your Christian walk? Knowing that it had some inappropriate scenes and some bad language, Jack justifies his desire by saying, Well, look, Mom, it's not as bad as some other things out there. Plus, most of my friends have already seen it. There's only a little bit of bad stuff in it, just a little bit. The mom pauses before she responds, and then she says, Okay, I'm going to let you Go to your friend's house and watch this movie. Surprised and ecstatic, Jack takes off upstairs and he immediately texts his buddies and says, I'll be over in a few hours. I'm so excited. I can't believe she said yes. So while Jack is upstairs doing his homework and he's waiting, the mom starts to make his favorite dessert, brownies, chocolate brownies. So she whips together all the ingredients, the egg, the oil, the water, the batter, And then she takes a tablespoon and goes out into the backyard and she gets a little sample of what their dog Ginger recently left behind and she added it to the brownie mix. So about 45 minutes later when they're done cooking, Jack smells them and he's so excited. He runs down to the kitchen and he sits right there in front of mom and she cuts this huge piece of brownie, puts it on a plate right up in front of him. And right before he goes in to take a bite, she says, hold on, Jack. 
I want you to know that I put a special ingredient in your brownies today. He's like, what would you do? Jad M&M's, what'd you, what'd you put in the brownies? No, no, no. I went to the backyard and I got a tablespoon of Ginger's poop and I put it in there. Highly disgusted, he threw his plate in the trash and he yelled at his mom, are you crazy? What are you thinking? Why in the world would you add poop to the brownies? She said, son, very calmly, son, it's just a little bit of bad stuff. It's not going to hurt just a little bit. And Jack understood the point. He understood the point. Which leads to the last truth. A little bit of poop goes a long way. Now that's funny and you're going to remember it. Don't send me any bad emails because this is a true It's not a true story, but it's a good story that you're going to remember. A little bit of poop goes a long way. So here's the application. This is what I want you to think about. Is there a little bit of bad stuff in the media that you take in, in the words that you use, in the actions and the attitudes that you show, in how you think about yourself and how you think about others? in the places that you hang out, in the messages that you post on social media. Is there a little bit of bad stuff in it? Because if it is, it will go a long way in turning you away from Christ. Friends, culture must no longer dictate our decisions. We must allow God's word, which is absolute truth, to be our decision-making standard. We must release and renew and protect our minds in God if we want God to win this most important battle for our minds because it affects everything about us. God is the only one that can free us from our anxiety. He can free us from our depression. He can free us from our fears. He can free us from our filth if we choose to fill our lives with his word and fill our lives with his son. 1 Thessalonians 5, and I'll close with this, says, Examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. When we decide to follow Jesus, things in our lives should change. We should begin eliminating toxic behavior. One book, one image, one show, one website, one word at a time. Why? because what we think about determines what we become. And I want you to know, this is not easy. And nobody's going to be perfect at this. But you know what, to start making changes, you, start, you have to start by making a step. And that step begins by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, making him your master, not this world. So if you're here today and you've never made that decision, I want to challenge you to do that right now. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk to you about that. We can baptize you this morning. The water is warm and ready. So if you have a decision to make, would you please do it now as we stand and sing this invitation song?